the recovery pastor here at Destiny Foursquare Church. Hold on a second, let me start over. What, when I say my name, you guys say hi, Lyle. Okay. Hello, my name is Lyle. <laughs> Take my breath away. Feel just like a meeting. <laughs> um, first, I want to thank everybody for the decorating and all the work that went into this church. This is amazing. Um, this church is in recovery. I just want you guys to know that we've been in recovery since Brent Jenna left, since COVID, since um, Pastor Sean has gone through what he's going through. And this big tree here is definitely in recovery. Um, we worked on it for four days, and it's, now it still don't work. So it's a work in progress. Um, I know it, we took off about 18 sets of lights. I think Ethan probably pawned them or something, took them to sold it for the brass. But anyway, um, he uh, talked about work your finger to the bone. He about cut his finger off the other night, too, when we were here, so he had to go get stitches. So his wife said that, Lyle, you're a liability. So. Anyway, um, I am in recovery, and um, let me see where I, I wrote a bunch of stuff here. I should have took Linda's uh, advice and had her reprint it, because this is the world's largest sentence. Five pages, five pages of one sentence. I think there's a couple of breaks in there. but um, I'm a born-again believer. I've been in recovery for mm, 28 years, 30 years almost, and yeah. Yeah, thank you, and, and uh, thank God for that. Um, the world's a better place. Um, okay, what I do is I help other people in recovery. I'll lead them, lead them to help, or I'll listen, or lead them in the right direction so they can help themselves get recover. Because we're all recovering from something. Um, there's two types of people in this world: the people who are in recovery, and people that should be. And, okay, so, we're all recovering something of some sort. So, if you're in some kind of recovery, raise your hand. Okay, then there's the other. They're knee-deep in the river of denial. <laughs> there's hope for you, though, Jim. <laughs> you guys are amazing. <laughs> oh. Now i got to be able to read my own stuff here. <laughs> okay, it's not about drugs and alcohol anymore. It's about what happened to you in your life. A lot of us have been through, through heck. From birth, you know, I've, I've been in recovery since I was born. I was born with cancer. My twin brother died. Uh, I lost a kidney, had radiation, lost my teeth, my hair. I'm a little crooked because of it, Jim. I lead to the left, like he always says. But um, I got scoliosis from it, and I've been recovering from many other um, physical ailments all my life. And um, thank God you guys are with me, you know. <clears throat> got my brother-in-law here, praise God. It took me to get up here to get into church, <laughs> which is good. Um, oh, yeah, and I'm... Uh, Gonna be gonna be married here soon. I asked Alicia to marry me, so we're getting married in the fall. Yeah, I, I asked I asked her the other day if I could put a Harley parts on the list for gifts. Is that on the registry? Is that is that okay? 
<laughs> knucklehead fun. Just write on the check, knucklehead fun. She said no. So I'm spending all the money I can right now before we get married. Get a prenup, you know, I'll just buy all this. Yeah. Anyway, I shouldn't be so mean. <laughs> Ethan told me to try to tell some jokes here. So a hot 20 and a few bad jokes is what you guys are going to get. And I read through this with Royce's interruptions last night, and it took me about 20 minutes. So we did good, Royce. <laughs> Gotta love Royce, man. He's, he's into everything here. He's what a man of God, Royce is. Everybody give Royce a hand. He does a lot of it. Yep, pa Pastor Royce. And I call him that for a reason, because he is a pastor. He's always out pastoring to somebody and telling somebody about the love of God. And um, I need to look, do what Royce does and go out and give him heaven like Royce does all the time. Pastor Sean told me uh, a couple weeks ago on the Pastor Appreciation Day that I should tell you guys, um, I should go out and he texts me and says, go out and give him testosterone. <laughs> And uh, Dan wouldn't give me the mic. I was trying to get the mic from him, but he wouldn't let me have the mic. So, anyway, we need a little more testosterone around here, huh, Royce? Yeah, amen. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to read a little stuff here. Okay, so we're all in recovery from something. And it may be from food, maybe pornography, maybe Facebook or TikTok, or what, what's happened to you. How it's affected you and the lies you came to believe. The false belief systems that we believe because of it. That molds who we think we are or what we deserve. Um, then there's the truth. And what God says about you or about it, the situation, or what God says about you. Hurts habits and unhealed wounds. And that's where um, the unhealed wounds are what get us. That forms our belief system. And um, you need to talk about it. Tell someone you're not you're not going through it alone. Say under the blood, not under the rug. You know, don't just shove it under the rug. I remember as a kid, you know, things that happened in my home, alcoholism and other things, and we had this big white elephant we couldn't talk about or say nothing about, so we had to just shove it under the rug. And I swore that I'd never be like that. And then um, when I got older, I became exactly what I hated. I drank, I used, I hurt people, hurt myself. And um, we have a redeeming God that will heal you and love you back into society. You know, if you just don't, don't shove everything on the road. Get under the blood. And I can't say it enough. That first song we did kind of hit home with me there. Our worship leader today was amazing. I mean, what amazing! I try to sing as high as him, so I usually wear my skinny jeans when he's up there. But my daughter gave me crap about it yesterday. Excuse me, can I say that word? But she said, she says, "Are you wearing skinny jeans?" So anyway, Pastor Brent got away with it a couple times. <laughs> okay. So that white elephant that's in the house all the time—you know, the sick person in our in our house. Uh, you can't talk about because their their parents or they were brought up the same way with shame and guilt. They were browbeaten down to where um, that's what you thought you did. You got your attaboys through drinking when I was a kid. The harder you worked, the more um, attaboys you got. It wasn't about the money. I worked for four bucks an hour my first concrete job. Worked myself to the bone, you know. And um, what do you get? 
Bony Fingers. Remember that Gordon Howey song when I was a kid? If you know Gordon Howey, he used to be in a band. My, my mom used to raise and babysit his kids, so um, he had a song called Work Your Fingers to the Bone. What do you get? Bony Fingers. Ah, you guys ain't as old as I am. I've been around a long time. Okay. The Family Secret. Recovery is much, much more than one can put to words. I'm read a little scripture here. You know, I had to throw a little scripture there just because I thought it'd be cool. Because I wanted to do it. So bear with me here. I'm not a pro like some people around here, so I gotta. I'm old school. You stickers. Okay, that'd be good. I should have called me on that. Should I? I just got old mail. Notes. What was we doing? John 10, 27 through 30. Is that right? I made me do that work. I do. John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice. Are you guys looking it up? You guys are in your phones, but I already got it. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I gave them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given me them to me is greater than all. Greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You know, I remember when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I remember hearing God's voice. My brother-in-law thought I was just hearing voices again. <laughs> I just got off of drugs and alcohol for most of my life. and um, I was jumping up and down like I was in Africa, just jumping up and down, praising God in my little apartment. And uh, Robert was next door, him and my sister were going like, oh, he's back on that meth again. <laughs> I was over there praising God. They didn't know the difference. They thought I was just hearing something else or something else was going on. But something had happened to me. I changed. God got a hold of me. And uh, I was hearing voices, and then I started to hear God's voice. But um, I started getting visions from God and prophecy stuff. And I remember walking in the middle of the night just to hear God's voice. Because I had so many voices in my head and all the chaos that I couldn't, um, I couldn't hear God's voice. So I'd wait till the middle of the night. I'd go out walking. And it was quiet in the night, and I could hear God speaking to me. <clears throat> and uh, He walked beside me through it all. So there's there's a part of me you guys don't know that's um, pretty rugged. And uh, if you knew me from back then, you probably wouldn't be sitting here listening to me now, because I got a lot of people in this town that <clears throat> they think they know me, but they don't know me. And my Lord knows me. Yeah. So Grace of Browns, we registered John 10, 27, 30. And uh, isn't that what the enemy wants to do is snatch you? He's trying to snatch you out of his hands, out of the hands of Jesus, just so he can say um, that he's got you. Not that he really cares about you or if you are that important to him, but anybody he can make stumble and um, ruin their walk with God or make them think they are. He's God's covered him. He loves them anyway. But if he can make you think that you're not good enough, then he's winning. And then um, 
he will um, reach up mentally. And even your family pays for it. Everybody pays for it. Depression is horrible. I've, I, went, I go through depression. I finally got on some medicine for it. Uh, a different type of medicine. I tried everything and I couldn't get it to stop. I'd sleep for three days straight, eat, get up, go back to bed. If I don't watch it, if I get myself caught up in depression, I'll just lay down and I give up. So I get my butt up out of bed, and I'll thank you, Royce, for the text at 5.30 this morning. I could have killed you guys. I just got sleep. I was like, anyway, we, I get... You guys, I was trying to sleep. I get... I get I get like 10, 15 people as group text. In the nights I do get asleep, they, they text all night. So it doesn't matter if I have my alarm shut off or the sound shut off, my text still goes off. And, but, but that's right. That's God working my life, making me, um, making me accountable. I got a bunch of accountability partners, accountability partners on, the, on my phone. They all know well what we're doing. If you knew the work that these people put into this church to keep it going, to keep it flowing, you'd be amazed. You should all give yourself a big hand because uh, you deserve much more than you get. And I know our, our, our Heavenly Father gives us a reward, but um, the reward I get is I get to hang around you guys. It's, yeah, you guys bless me. I was reading a, a book from, do a little advertising from Tana, The Voice of Glory Thunders. It's a daily reading from Tana Parker. She blessed me with this book. There's someone here I, I read once before, and I wanted to read it to you guys, because it really, I thought it would fit. Okay. He renews my life. He leads me along the night, the right path for his name's sake. Psalms 23, short version. Okay. Sometimes you might feel like a child in a restaurant, trying to desperately to figure out how to work your way through the, the maze, the puzzle on your paper placemat that that nice waitress gave to you. On really bad days, you might not like the color or the crayon that you were given because of the fat lines it makes that are too thick. Every attempt at that maze becomes just one more ugly line sticking out for all to see. But just like the lovely Heavenly Father, the loving Father who's sitting patiently beside His Son can easily see the right path, and encourages him in the way he should go. Our Heavenly Father also sits by you. He looks at the roadmap of your life and sees the end from the beginning. Listen for his clues and follow his lead today. He loves to encourage you when you cry out to walk in his way. He likes the color he gave you and the big messy lines that don't bother him. You know, I'm a perfectionist as being an alcoholic addict in recovery Jesus freak I got two things in Jesus in recovery but I was going to go somewhere with that Jesus sees our everything we do every time we step out of bounds get out of the line he sees us he kind of herds us back in and God's people do too you guys keep me in line and um, I'm thankful for it thankful for people in recovery I'm thankful for um Accountability partners. I lost my accountability partner this last year, and uh, 18 years I don't know this guy. He's, he's the best man I've ever met, Tom. Anyway, 
we'd meet at night at the windmill truck stop for 15, 18 years straight. Every night we'd go up there. You could find us up there having coffee or, and then uh, I'd have to get up at 7 and I'd leave when the sun was coming up and he'd just go home and go to bed and sleep all day. He was smart. But grace abounds. Two things we have experienced. How about how about the loss of loved ones? Everybody wants to know what recovery is about. Everybody thinks it's drugs and alcohol, but there's loss of loved ones, loss of friends, or illnesses like cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, um, just simply just pain from people, places, and things. Like abuse of all sorts. There's all kinds of abuse that we don't see, you know, the hidden stuff at home and to ourselves, to family members. And um, But Jesus sees it all. Even though the people are abusers, Jesus sees them too. He loves them too. And he knows that um, they're just sick right now. And um, he knows what happened to them when they were young. And it just goes on and on until you get recovery and stop that generational curse. And start loving yourself. There's help. I know that pain turns to shame and guilt into anger and rage. Then it manifests into booze, sex, food, Facebook, infidelity, or suicide. You are important. I love you, and our lives wouldn't be the same without you. Um, I appreciate Sandra so much. She, she sends me little texts. I think she sent me that video. Yeah. But, um... She sends me a little encouragement and stuff, and people in my past encourage me. So, um, one good thing about Facebook is I get to see all your guys' godly posts. Then I throw my to my head and I repeat it. It's not not all original stuff. I just I'll admit it right now. So whatever it may be, you, you might be an avoidance addict. I was. I'm, I'm good at that. I'll avoid everything till the end. Fight to the bitter end. Or you might have fear. Fight everything and run. Or fix everything and recover. Don't just sweep it under the rug. Find someone to talk about it. How? By being honest, open, and willing to talk about your stuff. Not other people. I have to have people keep me accountable because I'll, I'll worm my way out of anything. And um, I'm not lying to anybody else, but to myself when I do it. So if I look at myself in the mirror, then i got to be honest. That's why I got this little sticker. I think Mary Crone's got one, too. It has a sticker with all this. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm redeemed. i got to look at that every morning and say that to myself. Then I read my little black AA book, sitting on the toilet. Sorry. But uh, but i got to read that. First thing I do. I got my cup of coffee, and it's not pure bean. It's stuff you got over here from the food bank about three years ago. I got cases of it. <laughs> it's free. I'm a cheap seller, guys. Oh, Robert, cheap as they get. Anyway, I have a new addiction. It's brown sugar. I go through a bag a month. But, but my, uh, my sugar blood levels are good, and my A1C is good, so must not be hurt me. Brown sugar and Mountain Dew, my new kick. I got off. I got off. I got off of, got off of um, what's that stuff called? Red Bull. Thank God. Yeah, no more palpitations. I was taking medicines for heart palpitations, and I was drinking Red Bull like a fiend. <laughs> Am I not an addict? 
But my, my heart rate was still 50 at 50 when I sit down. I could sleep anywhere, so I had to get off the medicine. Anyway, I'm recovering from heart attacks and heart stents. And, um, I got a little story here I, I could tell. I had heart palpitations after about a year. And I told Alicia, I said, I'm shaking. I think I'm having palpitations. I can feel my pulse in my neck going 100 miles an hour. So Alicia takes me in the emergency room, makes me go. I just toughed it out. She makes me go. We get in there, and they're, up, they're, get, they're hooking me up. And so I'm making Alicia pray. Pray dry bones live, Ezekiel, you know. Pray dry bones live. And then uh, the lady gets all this stuff hooked up, but she doesn't hook it up to the wiring. So she goes, I'll be back. Well, about that time, I... I go away. <laughs> Lisa's freaking out. My, my heart rate went down to like 20, and down to, then I flatlined. And she's freaking out in there. And I, I just like, I'm going out. Push the button. Push the button. And then the doctor comes back in, and I wake back up. And she goes, well, what happened? And Lisa's crying. She says, um, ah, he was gone. He was gone. And uh, they said, oh, no, he wasn't. And some lady come run up the hall and said, yeah, he was gone for 10 seconds or whatever it was. So I didn't see no bright light or nothing. I think God's like saying, go back, you got got a lot more recovery to go through before you're good up here. But um, it scared the bejesus out of her. So then I'm like, maybe you should find somebody younger, a little healthier. She, then she's crying, now you're breaking up with me? So, so then I thought, well, maybe I better marry her, you know. I better marry her. Things are getting a little sketchy here, so. Stuff I go through. <laughs> Okay, there was something I wanted to read here. Matthews 5, 23 through 24. I got it marked that one. Matthews 5, 23 through 24. All right, we got it. All right. All right, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You know, I need to start doing that a little more. Um, forgiveness is a big thing, you know. It can kill you. Unforgiveness will make you very sick. And I, so you got to um, clean up your side of the street. Unforgiveness is like uh, drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It doesn't work. It just make you really sick. It'll hurt you. So you got to clean up your side of the street. About 18 years ago, I had a resentment against my dear friend Porky. I don't know if you guys know Porky. He's a good friend of mine. Anyway, um, I got mad and got got away from him for two years. I didn't talk to him, and uh, I was going to a open Bible church to some uh, purpose-driven life classes with Les Potts. What a powerful man of God he is. And um, anyway, um, we're, we're reading the class. I'm in the class with my accountability partner. Tom's with me. I finally got him to go to church. That was scary. But anyway, he um, he survived. But um, And he came back. But anyway, we were reading along in the chapter. I can't remember what chapter it was, but it says uh, to make amends. about making amends there. And they do that in recovery, too. You're supposed to make amends and clean up your side of the street and um, write down what you've done wrong and go call the people and actually do the work, you know. And um, anyway, I didn't. I had just walked away from our relationship. And um, Pastor Les says, 
I want everybody to bow your heads and pray, and God will show you who you need to call and make amends to. So I, we all bowed our heads, and, and all of a sudden, Porky's face popped in my head. And I just kind of went, huh? I just kind of blew it off. And then um, I went home, and after I shrugged it off, the next day I prayed, and Porky's face appeared in my I was like, no, nah, that ain't God. That can't be God. And I was, <laughs> I was still mad. I had resentments and anger. Yeah. Um, so I called him and went, went and met him. And God restored my relationship. I mean, praise God, I want to kill this guy. And he was my friend. We were like, we were like, um, bros, we're best friends. We, we did everything together. Ten years, I don't know, this dude, building motorcycles and going to church and going to Bible study. We used to go to the mission to a Bible study down there with um, a couple crazy guys that ran the mission back then. Listen to Donnie, he'd bring his guitar and play. Donnie Williams would play music. Um, Dan Iceland. What a Bible study. Dan Iceland, Porky. There's about five other criminals there. And they're all praising God, and we're all down our hands and knees, you know. People are coming in. People took pictures of us. They couldn't believe it. We went to a, what was it, Lewis Plow. We went to see Lewis Plow. So me and Porky and Yogi was his name, long-haired guy. We all had long hair, greasy bikers. But we walked in there, and all these people just start spreading like the Red Sea. And they, they see us in there, and they're all scoffing, you know. And then they, um, when they did altar call... We went up and we stand on stage, you know, we're getting ready. And everybody's like coming out like they wanted to pray for us. And as they walked up, they're like, hey, can we pray for you? And they just, we flipped it on them, you know. They thought we were the heathens that needed prayer, but we were, we were probably more spiritual than half of them. They were just religious and righteous, you know, self-righteous. And um, So don't ask, underestimate the people you're, you're dealing with, you, you know, because you don't know what they've been through or who they are. Nothing about them. They may be a prayer warrior that's been praying for you for years. And um, we judge them. We judge people. And um, I, I'm guilty of it. I was so mad this morning when that tree didn't work. I was calling Ethan. Ethan, get that tree working. You know, so we'll work on that recovery later. That resentment, i got to let it go. Anyway, i got to blame somebody for stuff that don't work. Um... Kind of getting lost in my stories here. I apologize. So, <laughs> praise God. So find someone that you trust with your life and tell them your story. You might be surprised that they've experienced similar things. Get the little kid in you off the hook. How long do you want to beat yourself or someone else up? Nine or five years ago? Pastor Brent and Tan and I went to, a, I always say nine or five, because a friend of mine, Claude Bender, you'd see him and he'd, always, he'd come in the bar and he'd slap a four foot, three foot long northern on the bar. And we'd, he'd say, I'm only had nine or five beers. So that stuck in my head. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this stuff, but anyway, Claude Bender was amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, he's gone and he's in heaven now. Anyway, Tana Parker and Brent Parker and myself went to some training in Des Moines, Iowa at Christ's Life Solutions Church for the ultimate journey class that we offer here at Destiny. Um, we arrived and, and they gave us homework. 
and questions about our childhood and and up to our lives to that day. So after they gave us all this homework, we're like, Man, this is not the training we were coming over here for, you know. Um, we we got back to the motel and we're all grumbling to one another saying things like, uh, I've been to treatment three times, I've been to classes, I've done all these different things, um, and um, I've been to 20 conferences, you know, we're righteous, big shot Christians, we thought. We had it all figured out. Anyway, <laughs> um, as we got got our homework for the course, we went back to our motel rooms, grumbling all the way. We're going back home. I ain't doing this. And Brent calls me. We're doing the homework. I'm crying. Right at first page, I'm sniveling like a baby. And he's calling me, and I'm on the phone. He's in the next room crying. And Tana's in there crying. Her words sniveling. It's not flying. We're trying to just get through this simple little homework that these guys gave us. So <laughs> it was uh, heart-wrenching. Anybody got a yeah. tissue? I got a, a bloody nose going or something. A little pressure up here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, oh, that's right. In Journey, you gotta—you don't ask in Journey. You have to just get it yourself. Yeah, we do these little group things, and if you start sniveling, crying like I do all the time, nope. then uh, you don't push it. Give them a tissue. You let them grab it. You, know, you don't want to like give them a tissue. Is like tell them shut up. It's like stop crying. So if you let them grab the tissue, then they're when they're ready. And the more snot that flies and, and tears and stuff that comes out, the more honest they get. That's how you do it. How? H-O-W. Honest, open, and willing. And then you, you tell the truth. You tell what really happened and how it really affected you. So, um, anyway, we did this training. And uh, after crying all night, we're, we're, we're sold on what we're doing. We figured we better finish it. It was a crazy ride. So we get back there, and then me and Brent are talking about So we both got set free from stuff we held all our lives. It was amazing. We got set free from, we thought we had been forgiven and been to all those meetings, and there was stuff that happened to us and that we had done that we never, we thought we forgot. Everybody comes into my class saying, oh, I don't remember my childhood, I forgot. I was like, well, the Holy Spirit will tell you or show you. And by God, he does. As soon as you start going there, God downloads that memory of stuff. And anyway, this class we do with the Ultimate Journey, it's, it's amazing. That's the beauty of recovery. Accepting it and bringing things to light. Bringing it under the blood of Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is far better than any substance I've ever done. Um, like Brent used to say, how can you have a uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit or buy a pair of sneakers without the tongues? You know, I love praying in tongues. I, I hang around some bikers and they don't pray in tongues, and I do. And I just I try to get them to agree with it. Maybe you just accept it, but they think I'm a little weird anyway. Um, you need to look to the source, not the worldly resources. Our dilemma is lack of power. Lack of power is not, not, not using all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you prophesy, don't hold it back from someone. They may be stuck. And your God-given word might catapult them into their God-given destiny. Uh, this young lady here prophesied over me 20-some years ago. and almost, almost 30. I'm only 30. Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> I never knew what prophecy was. I'm in the open Bible church and I'm praying and, and all of a sudden I feel this tap on the finger. If you know her tap, it's like a thousand pound finger. Anyway, uh, she says, uh, excuse me, sir. God, I have a ponytail back there. If I remember, I still had long hair and tattoos and, and, and always had a mullet type thing going. It was cute. Anyway, my sponsor, Tom, called me a girly man. A girly man. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she said, uh, excuse me, sir. Um, God told me that you, there's something big and blue you need to finish so you can move on. And I'm like, I was just thinking about it. I got my ex, ex-wife's or mother of my children. I was, her car was head gasket was blown and I was driving the only car we had and God didn't want me to leave the relationship until I fixed her car and she nailed it I was just thinking about it and God was giving me this same thought I was like if I went home and put a head gasket in her car and packed up my stuff and left and it just that easy and I struggled for years trying to get out of this, this uh, relationship but all it took was a little pro- prophetic word so if you got a prophetic, prophetic word for somebody give it to them don't hold back tell them they might need to hear it I love getting prophetic words. I remember um, getting pre- prophetic words from t- Brenton Town when I first got here. They'd say, hey, you in the blue shirt. You know, and I'm like, you know, and then they'd start giving me words and stuff, and I'd be like, I never heard that kind of stuff before. But they were, they were speaking stuff to me, affirmations that I'd never heard. So affirmations are great. If you can give somebody an affirmation, give it to them. Um, I'm horrible. I'm all grumpy anymore. I'm trying to find joy again in my life. The last couple of years are really trying on me. Um, Brent and Tana told me they were leaving the church. We're sitting at the, the millstone with Debbie. Little Debbie, our, our friend here. And uh, Anyway, they told us we were leaving the church. And right then, the waitress is at, asked me, what do you like to drink? And I said, bourbon. Because <laughs> I couldn't believe they were leaving. I didn't know that they were, they were leaving the church. You know, So I really hit... Uh, It was like the bottom was going to fall out again. I thought I finally found a safe place in the church, and then the bottom was falling out again like it had a thousand times before. And um, so it was hard. So I helped them move, and I still hang out with them once in a while the best I can. And um, Brent's going to be our best man, my best man at the wedding. Tana's going to do the wedding. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be quite a deal on trying to get excited but I never thought I'd get excited about being married but it's kind of exciting scary as heck I'll say it scary as hell <laughs> I gotta let I gotta let go of what I what I have to get what I truly deserve you know yeah yeah alright I think I lost track where I was going here Okay, did they download that prayer? Serenity prayer? Got it? We're going to put a prayer on the screen, and I was hoping you guys could say it with me. Because this is what I say every day. Um, I say the Lord's Prayer and this prayer, because it, it helps me walk through each day. I mean, um, I've been in many trials, and this little prayer has saved me. And it's not just the AA prayer, the, the serenity prayer. It's... Uh, the full version, the Christian charity prayer. You got it? Okay, can you guys see that? Let's read it together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, 
taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen. It's good stuff. Some simple prayers that we say. Like I liked about AA and stuff is they got these little signs all over the walls and they stick with you. Um, easy does it. Keep coming back. You know, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid, or silly, whatever. Stuff like that. It, but there's little things on the walls. They come and painted, painted the walls. What's really funny is the AA club was uh, full of smoke. When I used to go to meetings, you have to hang your head down and put these little candles on Friday night and the smoke was like right there. It's like you couldn't hardly breathe. You, I mean, I don't know how everybody went there didn't come out of their lung cancer. It was horrible. Well, they, they stopped smoking in the club, and there had this one alcoholic guy. He was fresh, newcomer. He got a job at the AA club working behind the counter. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this anonymous stuff, but anyway, I won't say his name. Anyway, he was going to paint this the kitchen where we sit and eat. So he takes a chip of this old smoke-stained paint and goes down to have him match it. He was supposed to paint it white. So he's all happy. He's painting for like three days. He finally said, we go back in there. It's like, well, what'd you do? <laughs> it was still smoke brown. Uh, it was horrible. I mean, but there'd be a hundred people there on a Thursday night. And it was uh, it was amazing. That was best times of my life, stuff like that. You know, people think it's weird or why would you go there? But you know what? I didn't know where else to go. I didn't have a church yet. So when I first got in recovery, I... Um, I went to AA and told people about Jesus. And I had a target on my back because I was a Jesus freak. A lot of them are still angry at God. People are still using alcohol and drugs. They're mad at God. They're blaming God or someone else. Um, like when I went to treatment, I, I couldn't do the four steps. You're supposed to write down all and make, clean up a wreckage of your past. I'm writing down all this stuff. And, and uh, I had a pile of paper in the corner. I could not finish this paper. But I kept blaming my ex or my dad or... Somebody else that did me wrong. Well, I finally got to put myself, my name in there. And it was like a thousand pounds lifted off of me. I'm the one to blame. I did these things. No one else did it to me. You ever know what the wrong place to blame everybody? You know, you know, I still do that, but not quite as bad. I always blame Robert for everything. <laughs> He's accepted it. He knows me. Um, all right, I'm going to read one more prayer here. Our scripture here. I could find it. Hey, I got some mail. What do we got here? James five thirteen through sixty. This is an important one for me. Okay. Thirteen. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of a f- and faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Those who are forgiven much, love much. And um, I believe that. Um, I know my life is not my own now that um, God got a hold of me. Um, I'm not a 9 to 5 and 
I'm done watching. I don't sit home and watch Gunsmoke and go to bed. I usually don't get to bed till midnight, and I get up early in the morning. So my life's pretty busy. I'm pretty it's pretty full right now. Um, I'm full of it too. So just want to throw that in there. All right, where do we go here? Okay, after this service, after reading that scripture, I'm hoping a couple of the elders, or we're not elders anymore, pillars, us young pillars, will come up to the stage. And if anyone with oil, so if, for healing or for recovery of any sorts, or, they could, or if you come up and you want to stand in place for someone you love that's sick or that needs prayer or healing, come up and stand in their place. That's I used to do that for my sister all the time. We'd anoint cloths with oil. I'd take them and stick it underneath her pillow, put them on her head. I've seen miraculous things happen over a prayer cloth. We don't do that no more. Well, you, we do, but you know, they don't see it at the church that much. I need to hang out with you more often. <laughs> Jesus said to those who believe in me, ask shall be given. you got to ask for it. We can't read your mind either. You know, I hope you guys know that. I always thought everybody could read. Well, can't you read my mind? You know, don't you know what I'm thinking or what I need? No, they can't. I don't know. If I have a relationship thinking that, it just don't work. You know, you're pretty one-sided that way. <laughs> One time we had a prophetic speaker here. I don't know if you guys remember the conference we had. Uh, um, Tyrell, Stephen, was Stephen Tyrell? He just passed away. Michael. Michael Tyrell, yeah. Yeah, he passed away. I've seen it on Facebook. He, he passed just a month ago. But anyway, he came here and did a conference, and uh, he was a good guy. He's up there rocking and rolling. He's a rock and roller, long haired, girly man, flipping his hair around, doing his thing, you know. And I'm sitting back over here and we spent some time together. We got to go up to Mount Rushmore. I drove, me and Bruce Edwards drove him around. And he loved Bruce because Bruce had all the stories, you know. And I'd follow Bruce around for 10 years. And he'd, anyway, Tyrell felt right at home. Um, he had that healing tone stuff where he got a CD. He played the healing tones and in the hospital. People play it and get healed. And anyway, we had a riot. Um, he was up on stage worshiping and being a girly man he was and all of a sudden he just he stops and he puts his guitar down looks down and he says I'm a pervert and the whole this place is packed everybody's like huh and, uh, and then he's, he got real quiet and it was awkward and then he says I'm a pervert and he looks over I was over this lady is over here and he thinks he goes just like Lyle and I'm like oh my god yeah <laughs> of course of course, everybody always picked on me. Anyway, I'm like, what the heck, you know? And and all of a sudden, he comes running out, and he had this crimson piece of plastic. He could see through it. And he held it over me. And he says, this is what God sees. He sees his son. Man, that melts me. Just stop thinking about it. But just think about that. No matter what you've done, where you've been at, what, what people have done to you, God doesn't see that. He sees his son. When he looks at you. Oh, that makes me think I want I need to act better. If I'm the son of the truly, if I believe I'm a son of the living God, I better get my act together and start treating people better, start loving more and laughing more. Life is too short. I'm trying to love David. 
and his hat. I love his hat. I'm just going to say it. I've got to practice this right now. I told him this morning, no hats in the church. I'm just being, being hard. You've got to love people for who they are, right where they're at. I love you too. Right? You've got to love people right where they're at. I know most of you guys, and I think that's Mindy back there. I can't see my glasses. You got to move up front one of these days so we can see your face and smile a lot. We need more joy up here. That goes for all you to sit in the back. Get your butts up front. I can't even see your face. I just see a blur. I see Bob's blue shirt, and I think he's frowning. He is smiling. Bob's, Bob's in recovery. We've been in continuous recovery for the last, since I've known him. There's always something going on. Are you guys still with me? How long have I been up here now? Does it matter? Okay. Let's see where I'm at here. Have I told you guys I love you? Yeah. Yeah, I love you guys. And I see what God sees in you. You guys are all awesome. I'm a little bit of everybody I know. You know, I take little pieces of people I know, and I hope I can conform to, you know, their goodness and their character, you know. I'm a good judge of character. There's a few people in my life I've met that really stood out, that I was like, oh, they got something I want, and they were attractive. I wanted to... Wanted to be like them, you know, and be around them. And, and there's a Marv Knudsen was one of them, my old machinist. He rebuilt my dad's Harleys and did Harley work for me too. And what an amazing man! And it, he had a machine shop that you could walk in there barefoot, and the bottom of your socks would still be white when you come out. He was so meticulous. He'd mop it, you know. Anyway, um, his wife was uh, Pastor Gary's sister, Audrey. She passed away too. Audrey was amazing. I'd be at my friend's motorcycle shop, and there's all these burly bikers in there, banditos and stuff, and she'd come in there with these little tracks wallowing in the in the shop, and she'd just smack them, and they'd just kind of part, you know, and they'd be like, what the heck? And this little old woman would come up to me, and she'd go, God's got something for you, and she'd hand me a track or a CD or, you know. She came into my environment to, um, she was pulling me out. She helped pull me out of that environment, you know.